Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I have with me founder and director of strategy, David Feldman. Welcome to the show. Hey, good to be on. Cool. And today we are covering how to scale a business while staying small. So all you entrepreneurs out there who are curious how to make your business take off while having a nimble team, this is the episode to listen to. So let's talk about being small and, and being an entrepreneur with a small team. How do you manage the growth that comes when you scale, when you're, say, a CTO, CEO, VP of marketing, and maybe two people on your team? Like, how do you manage something as small as that, but still grow? Like, what, what are some of the tricks? Now, Jason, my team was a lot bigger right before the pandemic hit, and I saw that we had challenges with profitability. And when we did have a larger team with my agency, um, there were just a lot of juniors and people who needed handholding and training, which I believe in. But when you're a small team, um, training your future superstars requires a lot of effort and time. Um, so when I saw the pandemic coming and what could happen, I stripped our agency down to just the remaining uh, seniors on my team and built a network of awesome contractors. So rather than superstars in training, I have a team of superstars. Um, the way that translates to our clients, they're just paying for the work. They're not paying for people who are being trained or for a fancy office. Uh, everybody who works with 3OWL has 10 plus years of experience and that shows in the work. So uh, some of those contractors end up close to full time with us. Other ones are half time, um, but I keep them really close to the mix. They know the projects coming in. Uh, we've built systems around them and ultimately it's resulted in us being more efficient and having higher quality work. And our clients took notice pretty quickly too. Now, when you say um, contractors, uh, is this like outsourcing to different countries? Is this contractors in the U.S.? Is this contractors for programming, design, marketing, business, all of the above? Like, what kind of what kind of contractors do you have, and how do you manage them if they're possibly working on other projects too? I think one paradigm shift that happened with the pandemic is access to global talent. So we have contractors that are local in our city, um, ones that are United States based and then global. Um, so I'd say they're all, they're all over the world and that's for everything from marketing, development, design, project management, et cetera. Um, we have to also really focus on our systems. You asked a really good question. How do we manage a team of that size? And it actually led us to having to really look at our project management tools and our time tracking tools just to make sure that everybody's on the same page. We've got utilization correct. Um, and we actually ended up taking all of our processes and putting them into one project management tool, uh, monday.com. Um, also putting all of our clients on there too. So I'm really, I'm able to log in on my phone and kind of the same way I'll, I'll scroll through Instagram. I can scroll through my agency and just see everything everyone's working on, utilization, what clients have put in. So we finally were able to centralize everything out of a need, but our contractors love it too, because they can see where things are at in design and dev. Um, we all have conversations there. So it's more organized than it's ever been, even when we did have a whole team of people in an office. 
That's great. So a lot of people that I know, I mean, me included, we use tools like Slack and Trello and Google Drive and things like that. Is that something that you guys were doing and you realized that you needed something better or like what, what were the growing pains that you went through to, to, to learn, well, this isn't working and everything's kind of sloppy and disorganized. And that's why you went with monday.com. Like, was there a learning process? Yeah. You know, we're always tinkering and that's, I think as we got more experienced people, they could bring experience to the table and say, here's what I'm looking for. So I think the tinkering was just more advanced. We weren't trying to, we weren't looking to figure out what the engine was made of. We already knew what the engine was made of. We just started putting in better parts to determine what we actually needed. Um, so we're all about failing fast. I told my team, this is the dream. I Like I said, I want to just be able to go to one place and see everything. Um, so Trello, Monday, Asana, they're all great. I think you can make all of them work. We just needed to commit to one. Um, so we went with Monday and I told the team, let's try it. Let's see if it works. More importantly, I was less worried about the tools and more about the thinking. So we had a vision for how it could work. We were pretty agnostic on what tools those were. Um, and look, if there's integrations, that's even better. Like if I, we, we use Slack as well and our, all of our Slack channels, we decided match all of our Monday channels. So everything's very in sync. Um, and we found that some of our prototyping tools integrate directly into Monday, which is great. So I think all the programs do it. Um, for us, it was ultimately people, we needed buy-in and everybody wanted a centralized place. So we knew that anything ticket related to a project would be a Monday. We would have side conversations for the projects within Slack. Um, again, it's that classic, if one of us is hit by a bus or you know, we've had, you know, especially with COVID going around, we've had teammates who've been out and luckily I don't have to blow anybody up because it's all right. there. It's all right in front of you. It makes sense. And when it comes to, and here's one thing I've noticed over the years with contractors, because I've also worked with contractors for the better part of two decades on a, a long, a large variety of different projects. Contractors don't seem to care as much about success as team members or employees or co-founders because they're more invested in a project and it's more as if like if it succeeds, they succeed. Whereas contractors are more looking to get paid. They're more looking to, you know, add another, uh, you know, job to their resume. And, and usually they're looking to get paid. They're looking for that paycheck. So how do you incentivize a contractor versus a co-founder or a team member or an employee who has potential stock options and whatnot. How do you incentivize them? I break down contractors into different buckets and there's only one type of contractor I work with. So there's, okay. there's the contractor that's doing, <laughs> that makes it easy. Uh, and you've, you've alluded to them too. There's, there's the contractor that's the side hustle contractor. There's the contractor in between jobs uh, there's the contractor that's trying to figure out what they want to do next. And then there's the career contractor, which ultimately I translate that to, this is a business owner. Um, so fortunately for us, um, all of our contractors are either business owners, or if I work with a group of contractors, they're managed by a business owner. Um, so what what I've actually learned is our contractors are, more incentivized and understand my day-to-day -day more than a lot of our employees did because 3OWL gives them 
a percentage, 25, 30, 50% of their work that year. Um, some of our contractors, truly half of their, half of their revenue comes from our team. So when I talk to them, I always tell them what's coming down the pipeline, what their year is going to look like. Um, one of my contractors, I needed him to scale. So I actually helped him recruit somebody. Um, and just did that because I wanted to help him grow his business. Now you can imagine the loyalty there. He helps me with pitches. He, he sends me work. It's reciprocal. So ultimately the, the network of contractors I'm building are never one and done. Um, my group of developers, seven years plus now working with them. So I, I don't just bounce between contractors. I try to find the go-to. And I think some of the greatest success I know is happening with a contractor is when they reach out to me and tell me about another project they got. And I'm their first phone call. And they're excited to tell me that their business is growing. So I, I take an interest in their businesses. Um, so the way they act with Riao is they they can rely on us. They also know that there's us who are very organized and plug into their systems versus their mess of other clients. So we're always, they tell us we're the easiest to work with. And a lot of them have a three hour email address. Um, they're all on Slack again, like they're always available. So well, for, um, I want to play devil's advocate for a second, because you mentioned, please. you want to, you just mentioned having con and you have to keep in mind too, as perfect as your agency is, or I'm, I'm guessing close to perfect. A lot of other ones are not. You just mentioned contractors having mess of, of agencies and whatnot. And most startups are not a well-oiled machine. They're trying to figure things out. You mentioned the contractors that you don't want them as a one and done, that you want these guys to stick around and you like when they come to you with their projects that they're proud of that they received. Now, I work with contractors and I have worked with contractors where they start to tell me, oh, I just got... Uh, added as a blog author to this really big blog, or I just got this new client doing their social media account or so on and so forth. And what I find is these are great things to hear, but then they start to disappear, right? They start to, to kind of focus on these other projects and not on the one that I originally hired them for. So what I found from contractors is the, you know, that whole uh, squirrel syndrome, like, oh, squirrel, you know, and like there's another contract and another contract and another contract. So how do you reel these guys in? Because this is this is what most startup founders are going to want to ask you is how do you keep contractors to work on your project and stop veering off course every single time they get a new contract? It is so important. It's making sure that they're paid well, that the relationship is good, that it leads to more work. Um, I've had more employee flight than I've had contractor flight where they, you know, we we're in that place now where there's employees seeing these huge potential paychecks elsewhere. And that's one of the biggest challenges is uh, folks leaving one job and jumping ship to another only to realize that the pay is really high because they're doing like two roles, but that's a separate conversation. Um, so with contractors, like keep them close intentionally. If, they end up finding five other projects that pay way better than mine, then good for them. They're not the right fit for me. Um, but what I realized has happened is because I have a network that I always go to, uh, we talk about fit. Um, I try to be their best partner if possible. Um, the example I gave of my marketing guy who was just getting too busy, instead of me trying to find someone else, the cost of that's really high. I said, look, like I've got a resource who can find you your first employee. And we did that. And He's going on vacation for three weeks for the first time and she's running the business. You can imagine 
he's not going to go run off and stop working with me because I've helped him grow his business. So I really put a lot of skin in the game. Um, again, like I look at what it would cost to hire those people. And these are all like six figure a year employees that I couldn't get to, but then my clients get to benefit from it. And there are all these multi-year relationships that I build. So you got to vet them a lot, but give them a lot of respect, pay them well, make the work interesting. And if you can help them grow their business, they'll never forget it. It sounds like also you've built a brand that people like to work with and branding is, is everything nowadays. I mean, uh, when you have a, a company culture and a brand that people recognize where they appreciate, they want to work with you. So how, how did you build a brand or how do you recommend others build a brand and, uh, what's the type of process you would recommend? I'll tell you ours because we, we fired almost everyone and, <laughs> As I, you know, I kept my team of developers and my creative director, and that was it. And we fired like, you know, 85% of the agency. Jeez. Um, and, you know, our clients didn't even notice it. Like the work stayed great. It was, it was a tough six months, but we ended up having our best year during the pandemic. Um, just we got so much more efficient. Um, but we realized my creative director and I, that we have a once in a lifetime opportunity to restart our agency without losing a single client, without losing revenue. And we got to get it right. Process was important. Culture was more important. So we just had conversations like open conversations around our culture. And it's when you're small, it is so much easier to define your culture because it's usually you and a few co-founders and you just talk about your values. Like that's, that's the culture and you, you document it early. So we were like seven years in and we got to talk about what went wrong in the agency, what went right and what's our dream agency. Cause we got to start over without starting over, if you will. So it was a lot of conversations and we just looked for patterns. We just looked to see what phrases we were using again and again, what mattered to us. So we ended up with, you know, four key pillars of what mattered to us, put it front and center on our website. And we also have like a, it's like a 30 page values presentation we give to any contract or any new hire. And I, what I've loved about it is so many people have come back and said, y'all actually really live by these values. Like this is, this is not BS. And I, I told them like, I had the opportunity to restart this agency and I was going to do it right. I have a lot more experience and have more gray hairs than when I started it. And I want to, I want to do this correctly. So we um, take advantage of that. Like when you're small, it's a lot easier to work on your values than so many teams that reverse engineer them just because they need to have them. That's fantastic. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent is when I'm talking to new hires, it's the same thing. I hand them, you know, uh, a, a packet that we have, like an onboarding packet or, you know, even our pitch deck and our philosophies and things like that, mission statements and all that. Because that's how you get them interested. If they're not going to like that, then they're not going to want to work with you. And you want to make that's sure it, they're, yeah. they, you want to make sure they see your vision too, right? Uh, it helps so during the hiring process too. Like having those values, I just drilled those questions into into our hires and um, told them if you, if you don't have this value and here's an example, I'm not going to be able to work with you. And part of it was, I didn't want to rebuild the team incorrectly again. So, you know, I was very careful too. So it's had tremendous benefits in our growth. Makes a lot of sense. This was great. And where could people find out more about your agency and what you guys do? Um, just check out our site. It's threeowl.agency. And if you want to hear more about the philosophy of growing a small business, um, uh, I just uh, released a book a few months ago called Small by Design. So you can nice. check it out at 
smallbydesign.co and you can buy a hard copy or um or digital copy just about anywhere that sells books awesome david check out his book guys small by design and three agency i love it thanks again for coming to the show and as always we'll see you guys in the next episode hope you enjoyed the episode if you learned something today please support this podcast by subscribing to it sharing it with your friends and leaving a five-star review you can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap On Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.